Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. You're listening to Facing Evil, a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show and do not represent those of iHeartRadio or Tenderfoot TV. This podcast contains subject matter, which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Facing Evil from Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio. We are your hosts. I'm Rasha Pecorero. And I am Yvette Gentile, and I cannot tell you guys how excited I am for this episode. We have someone that we love and adore. She is our Ohana. She is a filmmaker extraordinaire. She is, like I like to say, the one and only Patty Badass Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Oh. So, so excited about this show and miss and love you guys. So I'm so happy to get to be on here. Oh, we you. miss you too, Patty. So for those of you who have been living under a rock and may not know the amazing Patty Jenkins, let me just tell you a little bit about our beautiful guest. So Patty is an award-winning filmmaker, producer, writer, and director. And of course, she burst onto the Hollywood scene after graduating from the AFI Conservatory with 2003's Monster. And it starred the phenomenal Charlize Theron as serial killer Eileen Warnos. And that movie we're going to dive more into today, of course, since we have Patty here. But after Monster, Patty quickly became one of the most prolific and sought after directors in all of Hollywood. And of course, a couple of our favorites that she's directed, the Wonder Woman <laughs> films, of course, and our absolute favorite, Patty directed the limited series for TNT based on our mama, Fauna Hotel. I am the night, and we are here today to talk with Patty about all the things, but we'd especially love to dive into talking to Patty about her journey with Eileen Warnos and her journey with our beautiful mother, Fauna Hodel. So mahalo nui loa, Patty. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, and it's so great to see you guys. So you super too. happy to be here. You too. You're so beautiful. Oh, thank you. So are you too. We should say real quick that we did a deep dive into Eileen Warnos's case 
the last episode, we're probably going to refer to a lot of those details today. So if you haven't yet, please go back and listen to that episode. But first, Patty, I have to say to you, happy belated birthday, first of all. Thank you. <laughs> my my <laughs> fellow you. Leo lioness. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what have you been up to lately? What are you allowed to talk about? <laughs> yeah, all I wanted to say is that I'm is that I'm writing uh, hardcore uh, in, on multiple stages. I'm currently working on Wonder Woman three and working on Rogue Squadron, which would go potentially afterwards. And so it's all just like hardcore development. But anytime you're writing something like Wonder Woman three, you're also kind of doing pre production at the same time because you right. know the second you hand these things in it's like a house is on fire so you're picking i'm picking locations and all of the you know like you're doing all of that kind of stuff at the same time so um a bunch of tv things charlize and i have a tv project a limited series and a couple couple different things coming up that's so exciting i mean you are a busy woman as we know it is, it's getting busy again but it's actually <laughs> great it's interesting after the pandemic I actually am craving it. Oh, and that's the other thing. I just finished, I, or I'm still doing it, but producing Chris Pine's movie, Pool Man. Yes. So we've yes. been on set all summer with Chris directing for the first time. That's so exciting. He's doing his director's cut editing right now. But that took a, that was a ton of what we did this summer was Chris directing. Right. Which was super fun. And he did a great job. I can't wait for people to see it. That's awesome. Yeah. And Ian, like his best friend, right, is yep. one of his producers, right? Yep. They wrote it together. Yeah. It's an amazing script. I was shocked and blown away when I read it. Because even though I know how smart they are, I was like, I couldn't believe that they up and wrote something so incredibly good on their first script. Like amazing. So it's I can't wait for people to see it. Pool man. We can't wait to uh, see it. And that's the whole yeah, reason Chris has his beautiful long hair right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Another member of our Ohana. Beautiful soul inside and out. Chris Pine. Totally. <laughs> Alrighty, so before we talk about Eileen, I think we should tell everybody how you came into our lives. You know, Rasha and I both like to say that you were our mother's Wonder Woman, Patty. You were the one who finally brought her life dream to fruition. Can you tell our listeners like how you met our mom and how I Am the Night came about? Yeah, God, thank you for that. She was such a wonderful part of my life too. So it's it's so crazy that um, that she's gone. Like I just mm -hmm. can't ki kind of believe it. It's so shocking. So your mother came into my life when a neighbor of mine met her at a party and said, you've got to meet this woman and hear her story. And so you hear that a lot in Hollywood and, right. you know, and, and I just happened to, Asa had just been born, I think. So I was like, had enough downtime that I was like, okay, cool. I'll, you know, we'll have a coffee. However, when I sat down across from your mother, as the story, and I, I won't even tell it because everybody's probably knows it. Um, but as she started to tell the story, I was stunned. I like just couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was the most incredible story, but also I immediately clicked with your mother and her warmth mm -hmm. and everything about her. And so I can't remember what our first steps were at that moment. I couldn't quite make it into anything. And I was afraid of like how dark it was. I was like, ooh, George Hodel is such dark energy. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I want to bring this dude right. into my life, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and I knew that it needed to be a limited series. And so I think we sort of talked about it and came around a couple of times, but the truth was that I didn't have time to do a limited series most of the time. And it was such a big 
project. But then I think as the years went by, people continued to be so interested in the story. Your mother and I always stayed in touch about it. And I was worried as she was of somebody doing it wrong. Yeah. Not quite getting it or turning it into the wrong thing. I just remember this moment came where someone else was really about to option it. And I was making Wonder Woman one. And I said, I think that's a good idea. I'll help you do it. Here's how you have to protect yourself. Here's all these ways you need to protect yourself. I'm not available right now anyway. And she said to me, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it with you. And I said, I know I want to do it too, but I'm going to be busy right now. And then I went to set the next day and start was telling Chris the story. <laughs> And Chris was like, what? (laughs) You have to do that. I was like, I know, but when could I do? I don't know. And I had talked to Sam, my husband, Sam Sheridan, Mm -hmm. about writing it before. And he could never quite find the way in because the point of view of the story he didn't feel was his to tell. Right. Right, right. But as soon as we were kind of talking about it, Chris and I started talking about it, suddenly it kind of clicked that there were all of these men in the story that needed to be represented somehow. And that was something that Chris could play. And then it, it kind of gave it a classic detective angle, which opened up the right path for Sam to feel like, okay, I feel like that's a voice I can do and we can get the right people to to bring in all of the various voices that we want to represent in the story. And so then the more we talked about it, the more we loved it. And then as soon as Wonder Woman came out, they really wanted Wonder Woman 1984. And so I super didn't have time. (laughs) I loved everything about it so much that I was like, we have to squeeze it in. So we squeezed in and I only got to direct the first two episodes, of course, but particularly with your mother shockingly passing away. Mm. right beforehand, which I still can only, I don't understand why that could happen after all those years. I'm so happy she knew that we were the ones doing it and that it was in safe hands. But um, yeah, what a shock. And second time that's happened to me now because the same thing happened on Monster. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) To have a guiding spirit who has just passed away as I'm about to start shooting twice. And both times very significant and your mother being incredibly significant. And I could feel her with us throughout the course of making the show, but was not something we ever expected, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we've gone on to all go through an incredible journey together in many (laughs) ways, you know, making the show. We were always all kind of had a more familial Ohana vibe than you would normally on something. (laughs) And so so it was an incredibly special thing. But but that's why we're here now, right? It's all full circle because yeah. we were given this amazing gift that you and Sam and mom and Chris gave to us. And so, yes, we're continuing to tell mom's story, which we're going to tell her story for the rest of our lives and everything and anything that we do. But now we get to tell other stories and tell the world stories that people may not want to hear. Like from day one, I knew when we were doing Facing Evil, because we were in this true crime world now, and we have to find that light in the darkness, right? Yeah. And I knew we had to do Eileen's story because I've always seen her as a victim herself. And, you know, I know we'll get more into it, but I would love to start at the beginning for about Eileen and, and talk to you about that, Patty. Like, when did you first learn about the story of Eileen Wuornos and this serial killer? So I knew about it all along because I've always been a true crime buff. And when I was a kid, I hugely, I had all the like, I've still got it on my shelf somewhere here, the murderers, who's who. 
thank God for the fact that true crime has become what it is now. Because right. for years, I was like the weirdo, like <laughs> reading true crime. Yep. And but it's interesting because now I think that so many people are are into true crime. People understand it a lot more, which is I was I was never dark. No, you're not a dark person. It's much more about having had tragic things happen to myself. It opens the door. And I lived in Thailand when I was little during mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. I think once you've seen behind the curtain of what's possible in the world, you become incredibly curious about the understanding that all people are the same. Right. So every time you hear about people doing these incredibly dark or awful things, I became incredibly curious about what was making that person do those things. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I obsessively read it is because I know that somewhere inside of me, the same part of me that wants to be a filmmaker is curious about why people do the things they do and what lives are like. And so I know that if I just meditate on it enough and and kind of feel it, I could actually get myself into a place where I could do the same thing. Mm. And so that I'm endlessly curious about. So I actually was on a road trip in Florida in 1989. And one thing that nobody ever talks about with her story is a friend and I were on the most dangerous road trip of all time in (laughs) retrospect. Like we were like 16, 17 years old in a car that broke down every day on I-95, sleeping in campgrounds. I'm like, I don't know how we survived that trip at all. Like just pure... I mean, we were sort of naive and we were sort of just thought we were a lot tougher than we were. <laughs> I don't know. We thought we were very streetwise. But the thing that a lot of people don't remember is there was a male serial killer at that time oh. killing female prostitutes all through Florida. Mm. And that was the context that this these crimes started in. And so for some reason that doesn't figure in to her story. It should. It should. Because she was she was turning tricks exactly where this guy was leaving dead mm. bodies. So Oof. of course she was heightened certainly in in what in the context of the world she was working in. And so I was afraid of the male serial killer as we were driving around and aware of that. And then she got caught the next year. And I remember watching on the news and thinking about the fact that we were driving those very same roads. And really, it was when her story was on the news and it was the moment in the courtroom where Tyra Moore, Mm -hmm. you know, had to give testimony. And Eileen nodded at her and forgave her for it with tears in her eyes. And I remember going, whoa, it was like the end of a tragic opera, this love story between these two people. And then immediately the way she was talked about by everyone was so incorrect mm. to me. Yeah. They were like, well, she's a man-hating lesbian. She loved it. She, right. had, a bu- mm. she had a blood th- thirst. I was right. like, and you you remember her eyes. Yeah. Like her eyes. I was like, does anybody know what a feral abused creature looks like? Mm-hmm. Like, have you been to a dog pound? This is not someone who loves anything about this. Like this is, this is a feral creature backed into a corner, but she loved her mm. clearly. Clearly. So I just remember being so struck by their love story, the tragedy of the ending, the fact that that Eileen was looking at her and saying, I know you have to do what you have to do. And then the way people were talking about her and even the documentaries and things that were made about her. I felt like they were lacking a deeper dive. It was more about the phenomenon of who she was and the fame and the story rather than saying like, 
It's an absolute miracle this woman's alive at all. She had been in the hospital many times for rape, for abuse, for all of these things, and had carried a gun for 20 years hmm. and had never used it on anyone but herself. Right. You know, I mean, she'd used it to hold things up, but she'd only shot herself and trying right. to kill herself. And so I continued to be bugged for all the years between when the story broke and when I ended up making the movie. And so how the whole thing ended up starting was simply me meeting Brad Wyman and him saying he was making these serial killer movies and me saying to him, you should make a movie about Eileen Wannis. <laughs> That's a very misunderstood story and no one ever yeah. really has told it. And he said, you should make it. <laughs> you won't get anything else. <laughs> and so literally that's how that's how it started but it was one of those stories and i have a few of them there are a few of those stories out there that still bug me endlessly because i feel like they're so misunderstood and i would love to do a, a you know do them at one point for that reason um like your mother's in a way where you're sort of like you're missing mm -hmm. you're missing the real human story beneath the story if you only talk about george hodel or you only talk about the black dahlia yep. like it's right. it's, more, it's way exactly. more than that and so that was literally what was the genesis of Monster. And then based on him saying, you should do it, he introduced me to other people who, who ended up not being the right people to make the film with. But I simultaneously wrote to Eileen Warnes and she started writing me back. Oh. And, um, and it was not super cozy at first. You know, she was Eileen. She was who she was, didn't trust me, didn't understand who I was, what <laughs> right. I was trying to do. But as I began to work on the story and, and I could tell that the people who were making these were making very, you know, just very quick, salacious things, which I was okay with. If it was, if this was, I was desperate to get my career started. If this was a fictional story, I would have done, right, but that's not uh, I would have done doing. a slasher movie or a horror, right, horror right. movie. But the more I got involved mm -hmm. with this, the more I fell in love with the depth of the story and also said, I'm not doing this about real people this way. Like, I can't put my name no. on something. And and granted, I still, still, there are a lot of people like all of the victims, families and things who, of course, it's probably unpleasant for them to have a movie made. I worked yeah. very hard to try to protect them by making it unclear who was who. Yeah. And I did a lot of work to do that because I said, I have compassion for these people and it's not their fault. And they, they are the family victims. This is a story about what happens to another person that makes them into that person. So I tried very hard to leave them out of it. Um, that was beautiful. But, you know, but yes, I definitely was like, but I'm not going to do it if I don't think what I'm saying is the truth and I'm not being caring about it. And so, um, so I ended up writing it for no one saying, you want to know what I think happens? Like, and I'm jumping a lot of steps. I'm jumping all the talking to Eileen and all those things, but you can ask me any, <laughs> any of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say any of that in the making of monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you did a little bit, but the heart of that came through your compassion. Yeah. And the balance of that, because you think about the families, you know, you think about the, the generational trauma, right. But the way that you told the story was so brilliant that, you know, you were focused on Eileen and you were focused on really a love story because it seemed like for the first time Eileen was being seen. I mm -hmm. Ira, right? Like mm -hmm. I, that was so powerful to me, but I do have this question for you. Yeah. So this was your first feature, you know, debut, which was a huge success. The question is like, when you think about your first love years later, there are lessons that you learn, 
like you would never do this again or you love this. What did this movie like teach you like in today's time, like while you're doing, you know, Wonder Woman and Star Wars and all these other movies, what lesson did you learn back then that you take with you always? Something absolutely huge that has been definitive to my career is because of the series of events that led to me writing Monster and making Monster, it was two things. First of all, it was the first time I was ever totally honest as an artist about what I would say. Mm. Whereas if I really thought it was going to get made or if I was being more calculating, I would have come up with something more commercial in a variety of ways. This was uh, was me revealing a dark side of myself, which is I can imagine being her and doing these things. Yeah. And I can imagine doing, that is inside of me. You know, like if, if I were in her cir- circumstances, I can imagine it. it. And so it was me knowing that I was on my own completely. I didn't know one other person who saw her story and felt the same way I did. Yeah. It's interesting to talk about this because I remember Charlize and I having these conversations constantly because she understood it completely too. And she would say, what are people? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, we can't do that. <laughs> we just have to it. be her. Yeah, we yeah. just have to be her. We can't, because normally you're trying to be a good guy or a bad guy or this thing or that thing. And we didn't have that here. We were playing a very electrically dimensional person who we felt all things for. So first of all, it taught me that the, the moment I was the most honest was when I succeeded the most was huge. Because mm. I was like, whoa, that side of me is of value. Yeah. Like the actual deep down inside of me is of value. My understanding of the world is of value more so than the calculating side, which is just like everybody else, you know? That's number one. But number two was I really, really believed in her in telling her story. Because it was interesting how challenged I was at moments after I made it by people saying, how could you tell a story about a woman like this? And I was like, first of all, we've been telling stories about men like this forever. Like, like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, think of every mob movie, gangster movie. Like, what are you talking about? You're shocked that I'm telling a story about someone who does bad things, who's a charismatic character. Like, that's so, so bizarre. But even when it comes to women, Lady Macbeth, like, what are you, this is like the grand tradition of storytelling is looking at people who are, who are capable of doing these things. But the bigger question is, I ran with a pretty wild crowd in my youth, and many of those people ended up doing some things, terrible things, and going to prison. Oh. And so I've always had incredible compassion for, oh my God, my sweet friend, who we didn't realize how how rough of a life they were having really, right. ended up doing something really extreme and going to prison. And, and growing up and watching that, because I was in the punk scene, and, and the punk scene really did have a lot of riffraff from all over, and you didn't quite understand the differences between people because you were all just in the hardcore scene. Right. But there, but it did attract some really lost people who went on to have really rough lives. So anyway, for me to process, I've known good people who turn into bad people. And in her case, the path was so bad. Like you couldn't believe how bad it was that telling people who might not understand how a good person can be turned into a bad person and then saying to them like, listen, I'm not the first person to do this. Like when somebody did ask me that, how could you, how dare you tell a story about a woman like this? I was like, you and I have nothing to talk about. Right. Because if you believe that people are born this way, then I don't know how you explain every young man and woman that goes to war and turns into a killer. But there's millions and billions of them. So I'm not sure how you deal with that, but 
we're no help to the mental health crisis that those people face when they come home if you leave them on their own. And so I just think um, the lesson was it was more than a movie. Yeah, uh, it was a it was something that I believed in. And I didn't have any of the things in great part because Charlize is an amazing person and a dear friend of mine. But really, we were not there about ourselves very quickly. We were dealing with such high stakes of human lives of the woman who had just been executed. I'll tell you the story more, but she had left 7,000 letters to me. It was to that read. many. Ooh. I was the person that she had left this responsibility to. So it became so much bigger than me right away. Yeah. And the last thing I was thinking of was really me and my career, even though, of course, I understood that I wanted to get a movie made and stuff, but it just became so much bigger and spiritually grounded in trying to do the right thing mm. that mm. that has never left me. Mm. And so... It made looking at movies because it's so hard to make a movie. And Monster was so hard to, to make. And not only was it so hard, it was so dark. It was like the darkness that descended upon me that I had to carry for those year that year and a half was very dark. I bet. Because you have to be that person a little bit. Yeah. Like you have to be them. You have to walk in her shoes. And it's very depressing, you know? And so it made looking at things that I got offered afterwards that were superficially s silly or even just for a lot of money. And it made it very clear to me. I said, I'm not going to make movies for money. Mm -hmm. I'm going, I'll make TV. I'll try other things. I'll make my money other ways. But movies have to be bigger than that. And even though that led me to not being able to get my movies made for a little while and things, it also is exactly what led me to getting to make Wonder Woman, which I'd always wanted to make. <laughs> and, and I have a very similar, ironically similar relationship with Wonder Woman that I do to Monster, which is it is so much bigger than me. It is a huge <laughs> responsibility. Its potential in the world is bigger than all of us put together. It is. And therefore, it's almost like a calling. You know, yes. yes, it's a wonderful thing to put my filmmaking towards, but it's also so much bigger than that. And so, again, I have the fortunate thing of having Gal Gadot, who's the most amazing partner who it's not about either of us. Right. We're not about like our yeah. this or our that. We're both like we're here for the moment. And this message is really a beautiful one. And how can we serve it best? You know, and so those are the two lessons that once you know a movie can be such a profound life experience, it's hard to forget it and go start doing bullshitty work you know yeah. yeah when you start up here why are you going to go down here like yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah. that was amazing yeah i mean you're such a universal being like you can't just do just anything you know oh, thank you you're, yeah you're such a deep rooted spirit and that's why mom loved you and that's why we love you exactly <laughs> thank you <laughs> such a beautiful thing to try for any of us in our careers to inspect something deeper than the self, yeah. particularly as you get older and grow up, you know, and you're not 15, you know. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's a lot happening these days. 
but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. I'm going to go back a little bit and I want to talk a little bit about Charlize because, you know, the first time that I saw Monster, like, I forget who I was with, but I just said to myself, she's going to win an Academy Award. <laughs> and even my husband, Gino, was like, that's not Charlize. I'm like, Gino, that is Charlize. She was Eileen. She inhabited Eileen to the to the full extent. Yeah. When you were on set, um, did you see that? Oh, yeah. And then my, I have one more question. This is going to be part two. I love the fact that you film in places where things have actually happened. So that energy is so present. Do you do that intentionally to escalate, you know, the performances? Definitely. It's one of the big reasons that I shoot on set in general. I think that just the way that human behavior is what made me a filmmaker, my interest in it, the subtlety. So when you think about literature and film, literature is still considered more sophisticated by many, but it should not be so. It should not mm -hmm. be so. When you think about the fact that we as animals read so much information with all of our senses. And so it's really important to use all of those senses to help to tell the story. And so the subtleties of what you're seeing in another person are colossal. And so definitely shooting in location brings all of the realities of like you're standing in a field just the way Eileen was at this moment. Right. And you can feel the humidity and the heat and the bugs and the this and the that, and you're tired. And, you know, every single layer of this is, is an added dimension of understanding the person whose shoes you're walking in. And so, yeah, I definitely do all of that on purpose and believe in it a lot. Yeah. When you, did you think she was going to win? Oh, yes, the Academy? I did. I actually, and that's a weird <laughs> thing to say because... I was running two realities. On the one hand, I wrote it. And while I was writing it, I wrote in Don't Stop Believing. I wrote all of these improbable things for a loser, struggling nobody to imagine they could ever get, mm, you know? Right. And so I wrote all of these things. And on the one hand, I knew I could never get it. On the other hand, as soon as people started to want to be in it, there was something about Charlize. I just felt so sure she was the one. And I knew that if she was what I thought she was, and this could be what I thought it could be, that we could go the distance. I could just feel that. But I wasn't thinking about me. It was a way to get the movie made. I know, because you should have won an Oscar, Patty. Yeah, Let me just say that right now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they were only giving it to big indie glamour films back then and not little films. And then, you know, mm. I never expected that because I was like, your first film, give me somewhere to go to. <laughs> I, like, I I'm happy that I'm perfectly happy that I didn't. That would have been a weird thing. But um, all I wanted was for her to get nominated because I was like, she's our one shot. But really, it was once we started shooting and I could see how special and deep it was. And it wasn't about. Yes, I knew she was beautiful and people would be surprised. I wasn't surprised because yeah. I knew her and I knew how deep it was, but I saw a profound performance happening in mm. front of me and and I knew how hard it was, so much harder than anybody can realize. Like it's 
so hard for someone to do a performance like that. So I absolutely, as we were shooting, was watching her and saying she could win the Oscar. Like yeah. this is this is it. This is super huge. And continued to believe it throughout, even though nobody else really did. And so um, so it was like you're running both realities. Everybody's telling me that they're gonna it's gonna go straight to video. Oh gosh, no. Literally right up until, and they sold the video side of it, which meant nobody would release the movie all the way up until like literally the movie came out. It was supposed to go straight to video and not be a contender and all those things. But I always believed that it could go this other way. I know. And I have to say too, I mean, and I know, you know, just watching Charlize, like it wasn't only her that was up there winning that Oscar. I read something on Charlize's birthday, which Charlize and Yvette share the same birthday and the, oh, wow. August 7th. <laughs> August 7th. And so great. Yes, I think this will be really, you know, funny for our, our listeners to hear because I didn't know it until August 7th, but I was reading a beautiful post from Miss Rona Myers. Oh, yeah. Your costume designer extraordinaire, which I I think I knew that she because you you work with a lot of the same amazing people, but Rona. Yeah helped bring Eileen to life with Charlize with the costuming. And then, of course, Tony G for the makeup. And both of those amazing women were on I Am The Night. And I'm like, it's always like full circle. And that's how your friendship with Steve Perry started, right? Yep, totally. Who is also on the set of I Am The Night and is also an amazing human like Miss Patty Jenkins. (laughs) He shared some amazing words of wisdom with me on um, I Am The Night that I will never forget. So he's... He's a lovely human being. He's a deeply wise person. He was a real guru to me back then. Never mm. expected it, but we he showed up on Monster and joined us. He really shepherded me through some of the loneliest times of making that film and is such a deep and profound and thoughtful artist who's really willing to walk away unless he's going to do work that he thinks that he really believes in. And so he's been such a great friends to me for ever since for years and years. Patty, you just described yourself. Yeah, I know. You do know that, right? (laughs) You should be so lucky. You should be so lucky. I was just gonna say like-minded people attract like-minded people. You know? Yeah, he's he's the greatest. My question for you, so you said, which I had no idea that it was that many thousands of letters that Eileen gave to you. So I know she was, she was executed in October, 2002. When did you actually start production on monster? December, January. Oh my my God. That's like almost exactly like mom. Yeah. I know. Right. It was exact. It was so crazy. So bizarre. We were about to go meet with her in prison. Oh, so you were going to meet her. That was my next question. So she and I were writing to each other for about seven or eight months, I think, or maybe it was a little longer, but we were writing to each other. She never totally understood what I was trying to do and never totally decided to consciously trust me because it, it, it was a, she was in a really bad mental place at that time. She'd been right. in prison for 12 years. She had definitely become schizophrenic and lots of other things. Mm. Um, and the most heartbreaking thing about writing to her was that she would oscillate back and forth between being totally guilty, like I totally deserve it, I should be executed, oh. or being totally innocent. And I would write to her, I would write to her and say, Eileen, I'm trying to help you understand that they're both true. And I want to tell a story about how they're both true. You did make a mistake, mistakes, you went too far, right? And also you were a victim who was put into a place. And yes, I believe Richard Mallory raped her and and was a serial rapist. And, and the first 
murder was self-defense. Like, and so they're both true. And that was the challenge was to try to tell a story where I didn't do one or the other, but she was someone with no access to mental health help at all, right? Was left in a cage by themselves. Of course, they create a third reality. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe that she had schizophrenia when she went in there, but I believe that she did have some mental problems, but by 12 years later, she developed a third version of reality, which was that aliens had made her do it and all of these other things. Oh, shit. Anyway, in writing to each other over all of this time, whatever the core of what I was saying hopefully did get through, or I believe that it did, because I was about to go down with Charlize and meet with her, and then and then her execution was scheduled, and I said, do you want me to intervene and try to, do you want us to try to do anything? And she said, no. She Aww. wanted to be executed. She she wanted out. And I totally respected that. And so we canceled our meeting and we said, you should use every one of your remaining visits to see someone that you ha- want to see more than us. We'll come if you need. But And Dawn Botkins, her, her best friend from Michigan, mm-hmm. was, was down there spending a lot of time with her. And I was in touch with Dawn. And so I was myself surprised when we called Dawn. I'll always remember the day she was executed and how bizarre it was to Mm. be walking around that day. And then talking to Dawn and Dawn said, Eileen has decided to, to leave you all of her letters to read. I gave them back to Dawn when I was done reading them. Oh, you did. But the, the crazy thing was that exactly what I saw in Eileen was being held true there was when I was writing letters to her, she was saying, I want $10 million. I want, I was saying, no, you're, you don't understand. Like the, <laughs> right. movie, the movie's not even going to cost a million dollars. It's like, not, it's not that kind of party. Right, I right, didn't, right, right, right. But still she let, she was such an optimistic person. It was such a bizarre thing that when that actually the shock of Eileen Warnes's life was that she was alive at all. Right. Right. And the way that she had made it through everything she made it through was by believing that somehow everything was going to work out despite everything. And mm-hmm. so it was this strange reality of Eileen that she still hoped that maybe I would tell the story. Maybe what I was saying was true, you know, no. that maybe there was a story that showed some compassion to her, even though we understood that she had gone and done these horrible things, you know? And so um, that was a, an incredible trip. And Charlize and I sat down, we went to Michigan and sat with Don Botkins and, you know, read all of these incredible letters, which only supported everything that I had already thought. And, and, and then a lot of the details trickled in and full of like the most heartbreaking, heartbreaking details of her life and letters between her and Tyra and all of all of these things, which were really, you know, you can't you can't underestimate the details of those letters sinking into to our movie. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. 
we host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. You know, when I think about Eileen's story, like like we've just talked about, I mean, there's abuse, there's generational trauma. I mean, that trauma and and that energy, right, that she held on to because of all the things that she had been through, like it transcended into that violence, right? That rage inside of her. Hugely. What lesson did you hope that would come across through Monster, like the main thing that you you hoped, you know, the audiences would take with them? I think more than anything, that film is just about compassion mm. because, because I can't moralize what she should have done differently. Yeah, right. You know, like, and so just uh, needing to have understanding of why the people who do the things that they do is really, it, it's what it was for me. And it was the thing that I was the most probably focused on achieving with that film. That's why I named it Monster is because I wanted to say, mm. you're right. You know, I want to say, you're absolutely right. She's a monster. Right. Let's right. come on in. Let's see what, what a monster makes. Like what, right. how do you, how do you turn technically? How you turn someone into a monster. Yeah, technically you're totally correct. So let's go, let's take a look at the story of the birth of a monster. And by the way, not every serial killer can you do this with for sure. Right. No. There's a lot of, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people with pure psychological uh, phenomenon that we can't totally get a, get our heads around. And But Eileen was a perfect example. And many, many serial killers are also this of a person that if you look at a series of events, you'll see a story that led them to this series of crimes. You know, as Rasha said, we were researching and looking at all your videos and, you know, you were asked a, a question about like, what would you do if you weren't doing this? And you said a psychologist, like, yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I do love it. I am so interested. Yeah. So interested. But that's what makes you an amazing filmmaker because you can look at the monster and have compassion for them because everyone has a story, right? Yep. Like that's why what we always loved about our mom, right? Like she could sit across from you and yes, she's telling you her life story within the first five minutes <laughs> of meeting her, but she wants to know your story, where yeah. you came from, always. what you're about no matter who you are. And one last question I'd love to, to ask you, and we'll, we'll start to wrap it up, but we've never had a discussion about Eileen, <laughs> you know, yeah. and about Monster. And it's an interesting time. It's 20 years this next year since wow. we made it, which is shocking. But That's I was right. just talking to Charlize about it. I was like, wow, what do we do? It's been 20 years. You got to do so something, nuts. Patty. Yeah, we should have a screening or something. Yes, like yes. we'll something. be there. We'll We'd come. love to be <laughs> Yeah, cool. but so other than us interviewing you and the 20 year anniversary coming up, do you still think about Eileen? Totally. I yeah. really do. It's funny. Um, it's hard to explain the feeling because she imprinted herself like I can feel her spirit like someone you know really well, of course, yeah. you know, and none of it was ever glorifying. I was never like, 
she didn't do it and she didn't deserve it. It was, it was all true. Like everything right. was all true, but I also loved her and I also felt brokenhearted for her. And she also like morphed a little bit with Charlize. And so it became, oh. when Charlize was on set, Charlize was this other person when she was playing it. And that was also this interesting person that I miss being around mm. because it was Eileen brought to life. And that was a very dimensional person who broke my heart and did these horrible things and also was funny and outrageous <laughs> and incredibly ballsy and brave and all of these things. And sometimes I'll think about whether she's on the other side and what that is. Like, is she better now? Right. If there is such a thing, like, what is that experience like? But anyway, yeah, she still sticks with me. She always will, of course. Of course. Oh my God, Betty, I cannot even begin to tell you how honored we are that you are our first guest. Like, I'm just, ah, I'm just so great. myself. And I, you know, I can think about that first conversation. I don't even know if you remember, but we had just finished Root of Evil and Rosh and I were on the phone with you. And you said to us, you said, you girls, you go and you take this thing around the world and you do good. <laughs> and that is what we are trying to do, you know, and I got to read this to you because I keep this on my refrigerator and this is my mom's writing. And it says, I am available for more good than I have ever experienced or realized before. Oof. And that is why we do Facing Evil. <laughs> so I think that's so great. You, Patty. It was all because oh, of you and Sam. So great. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. awesome. Oh, that just makes me so happy. That just thrills me. And your mom, I know. you know, it makes me so happy for you guys to be having that avenue to do this with. I think that's awesome. I'm proud of you guys. Oh, we're proud Thank of you, you Patty. Patty. But before we let you go, Miss Patty Jenkins. So with Facing Evil... We end every episode with a segment we like to call imua. And imua in Hawaiian means to move onward and upward. But it's really more of a, a call to healing. So we would love for you to help us with the imua of this episode, Patty. So what we'd like to ask you is what do you think is the imua or the light in the darkness in the Eileen Werno story? Okay, so I'm a huge believer in story, not just uh, because I'm a filmmaker, but spiritually. Like, yes. I think there's something really profound about what story is to us and how it influences us. And when I made Monster, I had been very allied with the darkness in my youth. I think I felt mm. doomed to tragedy after you know, where I lived when I was little and then my father dying in a plane crash and then having these other friends that dark things happened to, I felt like I would always be plagued with the darkness and, and around dark things. And what blew my mind about making Monster was when it succeeded, the phenomenon, I could feel like that was a story that wanted to be told. And in telling it, it turned darkness into light. And I found myself saying, Oh my God, that actually happened. Like that, something so dark wanted to come out and in coming out turned itself into light. And that was something, that to me is the power of, of story, of what she did for the world, for anyone that sees her story, 
is if it allowed anyone to hear the story of her and her life and and it to turn darkness into light in in that sort of way that to me is is what the purpose of any of these stories are in the world um not that it's worth people dying for it's not like it was meant to be or anything but but in telling it you're able to shift what it was into something else and i felt that way very much about i am the night i felt very much that way i was like he doesn't own the story anymore it, it, it's not George's story anymore. We're telling the story, you know, we're, we're taking it back and we're telling the story of a normal sad sack human who did horrible things, not a powerful, scary man who told us what was a, possible in the world. We're taking it, you know? So that to me is, that to me is what it is with Eileen Morris. <sighs> <sighs> Onward and upward. Imua. 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 Well, that's our show for today. Again, we owe a huge mahalo nui loa, a huge thank you to the great Patty Jenkins for joining us. And as always, we'd love to hear what you thought about today's amazing discussion and if there is a case that you would like us to cover. Find us on social media at Facing Evil Pod or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. And one request, if you haven't already, please find us on iTunes and give us a review and a good rating if you like what we do. Your support is always cherished. Until next time, aloha. Facing Evil is a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The show is hosted by Rasha Pecorero and Yvette Gentile. Matt Frederick and Alex Williams are executive producers on behalf of iHeartRadio, with producers Trevor Young and Jesse Funk. Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay are executive producers on behalf of Tenderfoot TV, alongside producer Tracy Kaplan. Our researcher is Claudia D'Africo. Original music by Makeup and Vanity Set. Find us on social media or email us at facingevilpod at tenderfoot.tv. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio or Tinderfoot TV, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.